Welcome to the Living Word, the radio broadcast ministry of Living Word Church. My name is Sarah Jalo Emanuel. I'm the minister of Living Word Church. Now, for the for the past few months, I have been talking about the issue of Christianity, what true Christianity is, and what it's supposed to be, in comparison to the nonsense that we see every day on the rise, you know, with a phenomenal rise actually of cults and um, social clubs that label themselves as church. Now the Church of Christ has only one purpose and it is to build up a people, prepare a people ready to meet the Lord on his return. And as such, the singular purpose of the church is to raise people, even as is said in uh, in the book of Ephesians, to prepare people for service to God. And when I'm talking about service to God, I'm not I'm not talking about everyone having a ministerial title or position, a position of leadership, which is what people a lot of people aim for. Hence, the inordinate amount of people who go into all sorts of things called Bible school. Yes, there are a few decent seminaries in the world that actually do train people to serve the Lord. But the majority of them are simply just places people go just to obtain a quick and fast title by which they can come out and set up what they call church and and uh, commit the greatest fraud on earth. The greatest fraud on earth, which is not just robbing people of their uh, material resources, but also of their souls. And this is why I cannot keep quiet about it. Yes, in fact, everybody who knows me knows I'm very critical about the issue of false teachers and false prophets and all the false ministers that have invaded the world. Of course I am very critical. Of course I will not shut up about it because that is the reason the Lord called me. That is the reason the Lord uses me. That is what I'm ordained to do. I cannot keep quiet when the the, the ranks of Satan are infiltrating what is supposed to be the Church of Christ or using the name of the Lord in vain. Using the name of the Lord in a in a derogatory manner, in a way where people now look at Christians and think, you know, we're not even worth the trouble. People are not attracted to the message of the gospel. For a start, the message of the gospel is not being spoken anymore, and people are looking at the fraud and the nonsense that's being perpetrated by people who are supposed to be ministers of of God, who are supposed to be Christian leaders. We start with the Catholic Church and all their sexual abuse uh, uh, situation which is ridiculously high. There is that. Then we've got the fraudsters in the name of modern-day pastors and all sorts of bishops and all kinds of people coming up with whatever titles suits them and defrauding the people. Now, there's so much that is wrong that the servants of Christ cannot keep quiet. We are not supposed to keep quiet. We are supposed to quieten down every argument and every pretension that raises itself against the name of Christ. Definitely that is our calling and I will always say it. So Ephesians chapter 4, it says in there in uh, verse, um, from verse 11. He says, it was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. 
So we see it says, um, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as part as each part does its work. That is the purpose of the church to build people up. What we have is a whole lot of people now, a whole lot of places, social clubs or cults, you know, we've got them both, whereby people are just being brought in there and they're being made to feed out of the minister's hands, feed out of the minister's palms. You know, the minister sets himself up in the place of Christ and he is the spiritual head and all such foolish titles they give themselves. Is a spiritual. There's no spiritual head. There is no man who is a spiritual head. That is a whole load of nonsense. That is the Holy Spirit's position and that cannot be usurped. And that is God's position. God the Spirit. No man is a spiritual head. Every man, regardless of what title you may have been given or endowed yourself with even. You are a mere ransomed servant. If you are ransomed, because a lot of those people who even claim to be ministers of God are not even ransomed. They are stenched. Their names are stenched in the nostrils of God himself. Why? Because they're just rogue traders. That's all they are. Rogue traders. Servants of Satan thrown into the church of Christ to bring confusion, to bring in false doctrines from the very pits of hell, to mislead people, to, to fleece the people, to, to confuse the people, to disillusion the people. Yes, by all means, to consume the people. So there is a lot going on, and it is wrong. And we have to speak up. And it should be in everyone's interest to listen because the situation we have now is a situation where people take the word of their minister over and above the words of Christ himself. If I tell you anything, I say this in the church I lead all the time. If at any point I teach anything or preach anything that mesmerizes anyone, I always say to them, please feel free to come up to me and ask me to show you where it is written in scripture. And I always say to them, if I can assure you where it is written in scripture, then be, understand that I have also begun to dine with the devil. But I thank God that that day, that day has never come and it will never come. Because I'm not one of those people who claim to receive all these ridiculous words of knowledge from God that is not written in scripture. God is not making any revelation. That is why we no longer have the office of apostle or prophet anymore. I don't care what people say. They are prophets and they come up with all kinds of fancy stories as to how Christ spoke to them and how they saw the Lord and how they saw God. It's baloney. It is all aimed at deception. Just to elevate themselves, to big themselves up and people look at them and think, ooh. I mean, the way the things are nowadays, the way a lot of people who claim to be servants of God carry themselves and the way they portray themselves and speak of themselves they bring people around to testify to their own greatness. Isn't that shameful? They bring people around and call them to come and give testimonies as to how well, when daddy put his hands on me and I got healed and when I brought that letter from the immigration to daddy and they gave me a visa. What kind of nonsense is that? People bring in other people they have confused and put in and, and hypnotized or deceived to testify about themselves. Our Lord Jesus Christ himself, being God in nature, being God himself incarnate, he said during his teaching ministry, he said, I do not testify about myself. I do not accept man's testimony. Even though I can testify about myself, he said, there is one who testifies about me, the one who sent me, the father. Yet, today's ministers, they, they, they line up people. Have you seen them on Christian television? 
disgust and sight, line up a whole load of gullible, greedy, covetous people, insatiable people, people who do not have the love of Christ in mind, people who are in church, in what is called church that they attend, just for the good times. People who are desperate. Not desperate for the kingdom of God, but desperate for material fulfillment. Desperate for healing. As though even if you do receive the healing, you will not die from this world one day. You will. We are living in this earthly tent for a while. Our concern should be for salvation. Not for living here forever. Nobody's going to live here forever. I don't understand why people who are supposed to be Christians are so worried about sickness and so worried about death. And you know, nowadays the charismatic Pentecostal movement, they teach you all these slogans, reject it, reject it in the name of Jesus. You talk about sickness, who I reject that. Talk about death, who I reject that. Why are you rejecting? You've got to go whether you reject it or not. And you will fall ill every now and then. We live in a mortal tent. Sickness came with sin in the world. So there's nothing we can do. Nothing is in the, is in the state that God ordained in the first place. And God's rescue plan which is our Lord Jesus coming in the flesh and providing us forgiveness and salvation is not a plan for today so that we can live here together, I mean forever, in perfect health and lots of financial bliss. It's not going to happen. You are believing all that nonsense that is being fed to you because it sounds nice. It appeals to, to your to your sense of greed and lustfulness and covetousness that is inborn in every man because every man is born into sin. And so they tell you all these things that make your ears tingle because these things sound nice. They throw you into pity patches, play a lot of music around you that makes you lose your mind and lose your senses. And they tell you to lose all sense of reasoning. Don't hold back the work, the work of the Holy Spirit. Just lose yourself and, and go. Do you know what you're doing to yourself? Do you know what you're doing? When you're busy loosening yourself in, in the middle of what is called worship with all the loud music going and all the shouting going on where, where the minister is shouting out a whole lot of words that make you feel sorry for yourself and shouting out all these incantations which he calls tongues and you lose yourself. You know what you're doing? You are subjecting yourself to the perpetration of demons. Yes, you are. You are rendering yourself available. The Bible tells us as Christians to be of sound mind. We have been given a mind, a sober mind. That we can reason. The Holy Spirit inhabits you. You cannot lose yourself. And that's the trouble. By the time you've come to. By, by the time they the finished all their hypnosis on you. You lose it all. And now you begin to see your minister as God. And you begin to depend on him. And rely on him. And you can't do a thing without consulting him first. They've got control over you. Don't you know that's what they're doing? They've got absolute control over you. I'm going to conclude this message today. About Christianity, what it's all about, what true Christianity is. And I'm not here to make any argument for Christ or anything. Nobody can argue. God is God. He's sovereign. But I should tell you what the word says. And it's up to you. You can choose it today. Whether you want to believe the words of the Lord of life himself. The God who created you. The heavens, the earth and everything else in it. The God before whom you shall stand one day. And explain yourself. You shall either stand to be rewarded for your faithfulness and your obedience. Or you shall stand to be condemned to eternal fire. Eternal death. Eternal torment in hell fire. There's no neutral ground to it. Every one of us is going to end up in one place or the other. In recent weeks I've been talking about the kingdom of God. 
if you're not a part of the kingdom of God while you're breathing in this world, you will not be a part of it when you stop breathing. That is a fact. And you're a part of it by, by, by virtue of your obedience to Christ, your submission to Christ. Your obedience to the words of Christ, not the words of your minister who tells you to name it and claim it and it is a sin for you to be poor and you are supposed to, you know, abound in good health and be prosperous financially and you go to church or whatever meetings it is, day in, day out, sowing all kinds of seeds of faith, they call it, while they rob you, they get richer, you stay poor. Oh yes, it is all around us. And they're telling you, don't worry, your miracle is imminent. Your miracle is on the way. Who, told, who promised you a miracle? Jesus didn't promise us any miracles. As a matter of fact, what the Lord said is, an adulterous people are asking for miracles. He said, but none will be given it except the, for the sign of Jonah. Because as Jonah was in the belly of a fish for three days and three nights, so the, Lord, uh, so the Son of Man will be in the belly of the earth for three days. After which he resurrected. That's all we are getting. That is the greatest miracle ever. And so we're not promised miracles. Yes, God can perform miracles when he chooses to. It, was, it has always been at God's own discretion. And that does not necessarily mean about your finances. God, yes, in his amazing way, and um, in his benevolent way, he does meet us at our point of need. Sometimes when we think, we, you know, we, don't, we have no way out and everything all looks lost and we kind of despairing, God sends someone our way to be a blessing to us. Sometimes we're ill, we're Ill and we pray and God heals us. That's because there's no plan for you to actually perish in that particular sickness at that time. It's not because anyone's laying their hands on you or anything of the sort. Because all those things, are, it's not because of the, all the crusades you're attending. It's because God is not one, is not willing. It's not part of his plan that you should perish in that particular illness. They're non-believers who are recovering from cancer and all sorts of diseases every day. And they're non-believers. Somebody tell you, keep sowing this money. God wants you to be rich and God wants you to be that. And so they pinpoint all kinds of witches and wizards and all kinds of spirits that they reckon are tormenting you. Tell you you're, you're, you're possessed by demons and all that. And you believe it. And you believe it. How gullible can you be? Jesus Christ said, I know my sheep. I know them by name. I call them by name. They are in my father's hands. No one can snatch them out of the father's hands. So when you are believing that demons are possessing you and demons are oppressing you and demons are uh, obstructing your progress and everything, you believe it, then whose testimony are you believing? Whose words? Your loopy pastor who sees all these demons that are nothing but a, a figment of his imagination? Or do you want to believe God himself who says, again, that's in John chapter 10 from verse 27, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. So do you want to believe that? Or would you rather believe your pastor, who sees demonic spirits in every little aspect of life and every little area? What nonsense! What utter boulder dash! You want to open your mind to the Lord. Because the word of God is this. In Jeremiah chapter 29, I think it's from verse 11. It says, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord. 
So if you're finding that the truth of God is eluding you, it's because you are not here seeking the Lord with all your heart. When you cry up to heaven, when you worship Christ out of gratitude for the fact that he has delivered you from the snares of hell, when you want to know Christ and want to know his good, pleasing and perfect will, he will reveal himself to you. Then you will be able to read the scripture and understand what the Lord is saying and understand what is good, pleasing and perfect will for your life is. And at that time, you will not be looking to him for earthly rewards. You will not be looking to him for financial rewards for your Christianity, which is what has been looked sought after and what people have been encouraged to seek after. You will not be looking for him for physical healing every second, perfect health, even though you are in a perishing body. You'll be, your concern will be for your soul. And you'll be able to sing with, with, with Horatius Parford when he said, It is well with my soul. Though trials shall come, so though Satan should, 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 should try me, doesn't matter what, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, It is well with my soul. Is your soul well? Or are you more concerned about the affairs of the world? People like to compare the Lord Jesus Christ with all sorts of other religious leaders who have died and never to rise on earth again. The past, they've gone. None of them did a fraction of what Jesus did to prove his deity. None of them was God except Jesus Christ. God came down in the flesh. Who are you? How dare you take the words of man, of some corrupt, perverted men and women over the words of God himself? We've got the Bible the holy book of God, the holy word of God, who, whose author is God himself alone. And nothing outside of it is from God. doesn't matter what fantastic visions your overseer or bishop or whoever it is that's lording it over you, doesn't matter what fantastic visions or revelation or word they received, it's mostly lies aimed at deception. If anything anybody sees or tells you, me inclusive, if anything we tell you is not in line with the written word, we are lying. The matter is very simple. It's lies. And don't forget, Satan is at war with the church of Christ. Don't forget that big detail. It's not a small detail. It's a big detail. And because people are not paying enough attention to that, they're thinking Satan is warring against them as a person, is warring against your finances, is warring against your marriage, is warring against your... Shut up about it. He's far too sophisticated and too busy for that. He's got greater, bigger plans. It doesn't matter what it deprives you, what Satan does about your physical conditions. It is your soul that really counts. If he is able to destabilize your walk, as a Christian, and make sure you do not, you are not saved while you're under the delusion that you are saved and you, you're headed for heaven. But then if he manages to plant you in one of his own places that is set up called church under one of his false ministers, whereby they teach you everything in opposition to what Christ has taught, whilst convincing you that don't worry, you got heaven made, so now leave for now, leave for yourself, leave for the world. That's what Satan's purpose is. Is to rob you of your soul, your eternity. It doesn't matter whether you've got money here, you haven't got money, or you've got good health, you haven't got it. That's even neither here nor there. That's neither here nor there, in the, you know, as far as God is concerned. That's why Jesus said, look, 
Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, Jesus said, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure it is, there your heart will be also. Many people's hearts, professing Christians, their hearts are in this world. They look at everything in the world, the world has to offer, and they want it. And so you have people, messengers of Satan, there leading you on, spurring you on. Yes, it's your right to have it. You are a child of the kingdom. Yes, you must have it. It is God's will for you. It is God's perfect plan for you. You must live the kingdom life. You must. What on earth are you talking about? What are they talking about? What are you believing? What's your problem? You think Jesus didn't know what he was saying when he said you should take your mind off the affairs of the world? Do you think he did not know what he was saying when he said in Matthew chapter 6 from... Uh, from I'll take it from, hmm. well, take it. I'll, I'll take excerpts of it from verse twenty-five. He says, "Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? That's what I was just telling you. Forget about your physical circumstances. Do you know what? If you are faithful to God, He will see to it that He meets you at every point of need." Now, the problem with the people of the world is need is never sufficient. They want their wants and their desires, and they are always covetous, always selfish, always greedy. Yes, that's why the Bible says that godliness with contentment is great gain. People are never content with what they have. And you've been encouraged to aspire for more and go for more. You've got to have the best because you're a child of God. It's your entitlement because you're a Christian. You're born again. You're supposed to have it all. You're supposed to have more than the pagans. You're supposed to have more than... What are you talking about? These people are misleading you. That's not what the teaching of the Lord is. And nobody is smarter than Christ. Sorry, nobody's word counts where Christ stands. And he said, in continuing in that uh, uh, chapter of Matthew 6, I read from verse 25 there, he, carry, he concluded, he said, for, uh, he said um, so do not worry about those things, do not worry saying from verse 31, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. You know what your people have been taught today in Christianity? Definitely worry about tomorrow, worry about next week, worry about next year. You must have all these things. Why have you been in the same position all this time? How come you haven't built a house yet? Why do you not have a bigger car? Why do you unbelieve in neighbor? Why do, why do they have bigger and better things than you? Oh, it's the devil standing in your way. This ridiculous mad men and women who call themselves servants of Christ see a devil in everything. They see a demon everywhere. So they tell you to come for deliverance. And they say they're delivering you. Who are they to deliver you? They need deliverance themselves from their lies and the holds of Satan who has held them captive. It is the Lord Jesus who delivers. When you come to Christ, he delivers you. He does not just forgive you your sins. He delivers you from the dominion of Satan. That is not to say you now won't face temptation. But now he is giving you, he will give you the Holy Spirit and he will lead you and teach you. And he's the one who will help you and give you the strength to rise above temptation. Of course, you may just choose to fall for it. 
And you may choose to be tempted because of your own personal level of or sense of greed and covetousness. That's up to you. But then you're empowered by the Holy Spirit to say no if you choose to say no. So all those people who tell you about all this nonsense, you keep going to some man to deliver you. A mere sinner like yourself. Just because he's got some titles and he's eloquent in lies and you were bamboozled by that, why should that be strange to you? You know what Jesus said about Satan and his lies? He said when he lies, he speaks his native language. So he's, of course he's very fluent in it and so are his servants. There can be no com- comparison. Jesus proved this deity. He was God. He, when he was here, he proved himself to be God. He performed miracles that revealed his authority over nature. The wedding at Cana, he turned water into wine. The amazing provision of food on two occasions. For four, four and five thousand men and children respectively. Including women, well, not including women. Yeah, multitudes. He provided food for them. Amazingly, miraculously, on two occasions. He calmed the storm. He... he he uh, he ordered the miraculous catch of fish. When the disciples had been fishing all night and caught nothing, Jesus made them. Miraculously, they caught so much at his word, at his command, that they could not, they, they, they struggled to haul it all in. He walked on water. He spoke and the fig tree withered. He asked Peter to go and open the mouth of a fish and he would find money, physical money there with which he paid their taxes. He had control over life. He raised the dead. And he didn't just raise the dead. He, he gave the authority to raise the dead even to his apostles. He had control over creation. Because his, his healings were perfect, complete and instantaneous of all kinds of sickness and disabilities by a word or a touch. All the nonsense that's been faked around you today cannot be compared to what Jesus did. All these uh, spiritual healers who employ uh, methods of the occult, of the occultic world, and magic and, and, and hypnotism, lying that they're healing people and all sorts of things like that. And people flock to them. I don't know why this big rush for healing is. There are many people, and you think it's them, you know, there are many unbelievers who are rich and wealthy and healthy, yet they're destined for hell. So is that what life is all about? That's not why Jesus came. If that was why Jesus came, non-believers would not thrive. They would all have bad health and be dying of diseases and, in, and be dying in poverty. But that's not why he came. He came to rescue your soul. He came to rescue your soul. Jesus exercised control over the kingdom of darkness by the casting out of demons, by word of command. Not so much shouting and hop, jumping up and down, ranting and raging. And like we see today when people claim they're, they're, they're casting out demons, they're sweating profusely, almost going mental. Yet they're not casting anything. Everything they're doing is just in their imagination. They don't see any demons. They themselves are infested. It is one people, and, and those, some of them even claim to be talking to these demons. We are barred for speaking to anything in the spirit world in that kind of way. That's why the Bible says in Deuteronomy that anyone who is a medium or a spiritist who interprets omens or divination and all, they are detestable before God. We have no business talking. There's a chasm between us and demonic spirits. We cannot be talking to them. We've got nothing in common, nothing to talk about. But the people who delve, all the spiritual healers and all these deliverance ministers, 
they are themselves of the of the demonic world. They are people who have opened themselves up to demonic penetration, either because they wanted to, you know, where they're just lying and pretending to be servants of God anyway, where they know they're servants of Satan, or because of their ignorance and their sense of greed and wanting the self-importance and things, they have unknowingly fallen into the darkness, and they purport to deliver you. And they're sweating all over you and shouting and yelling their heads of commanding demons to, to go out and commanding demons to leave and all that all, all sorts of things. They have no idea what they're doing. Do you know what? Jesus not only exercised the control over demonic spirits, he, de- he delegated that authority to the apostles and the apostles alone. And do you know what? Not just that, but since the coming of Christ and his resurrection and ascension into heaven, Demonic spirits do no, no longer have the power to penetrate a person, you know, free willing as they choose. It is no longer possible. You need to avoid interaction, be willing to be sucked into it or to, be, or, or to give them accommodation before they can penetrate you. So they are very, very rare occurrence in the world now. And even where they do occur, we merely preach the message of the gospel to the person who is possessed. We don't shout, we're casting it out and we're casting it in the abyss and all that nonsense. It's nonsense. We do not have that authority. Only Jesus can deliver. Only the Lord can dispel demons. And so we speak the word of life, the word of Christ to the person in preaching. When the person accepts Jesus, bows down and pleads to Jesus, comes to Jesus for forgiveness. He cleanses and delivers them. It is not in the hand of any man. Jesus spoke extensively about the kingdom of heaven. All his parables were about the kingdom of heaven. He spoke about it because it is the most singular, singularly important thing that any of us can attain. That's why he came and we can attain it. We attain it. We, we receive it as a free gift from Christ. So the greatest decision we can make is to give our lives to Christ. And ask him to renew us and save us and deliver us and forgive us. But if you want to continue to believe the word of man over the word of God himself, all the very best. But I'll tell you what, one last warning from Christ Jesus in chapter eight, uh, eight, uh, 17 of Luke from verse 26 to 30. Jesus said, just as it was in the days of Noah, so also will it be in the days of the Son of Man. People were eating, drinking, marrying and being given in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. Then the flood came and destroyed them all. It was the same in the days of Lot. People were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But the day, of the, uh, the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. The Lord is coming. Are you a part of his kingdom? The Lord is coming. Do you know the word of Christ? Do you live your life for Christ? Do you worship Christ out of a thankful and reverent heart? Thankful for the forgiveness and salvation you have received? Or do you worship Christ because you want the good times and you want the promises of your pastor that he claims Christ is going to do for you materially because, you, because you're a Christian and you're born again? It all lies. Receive the word of Christ. Begin to study for yourself what the, what the scripture says. And then you'll be able to test and approve what the truth of God is. You are, many people are being led to hell. Do not be a part of it. 
when you have the way to hope to, to, to the kingdom of God. I'll leave it there. My name is Sarah Jala Emanuel. I've got the 15 messages actually concerning this Christianity and the kingdom of heaven. If you want any of these messages or all of the series, I'll be happy to send them to you for free. You may contact me on livingwordchurch at btinternet.com. That's the email address, livingwordchurch at btinternet.com. Until the next time, may the Lord guard your hearts in Christ Jesus. Amen.